Well, good morning. Are you guys feeling weird yet? Because if not, we'll get you even, uh, even weirder as we move forward. Um, I kind of wanted to start this morning just by letting you know, I think it's important um, as an act of accountability uh, from me to you as my church family to let you know that where uh, New Year's resolutions are concerned, I'm pretty much killing it. <laughs> I have not missed a single trip to the gym. I have not eaten, overeaten on a single meal. I'm down an ounce and a half on the new year, so things are coming together. Stick with me. We're going to get through all of those resolutions for sure. We're talking a little bit, and actually quite a bit in this new series, as you know, about what it means to be weird, right? And uh, as I was thinking and preparing, I, I kind of flashed back a little bit to those years for me that were in middle school. And I don't know when your time was, but for me, middle school was that time I didn't have a clue who I was. Um, I didn't know who I wanted to be. I was just uncomfortable in my own skin. I, just, I was an awkward person with no, with kind of an identity crisis. And, and because of all that, I, all I wanted to do was kind of melt in to the background of anywhere and just be considered normal by everyone, so normal that I kind of never even showed up on the radar anywhere. And in that phase of my life, if someone would have come to me and said, hey, I think you're kind of weird, it would have broken me and crushed me. And so, you know, in the intervening, you know, 30, 40 years or so, I've grown past that just a little bit, not entirely. It's still kind of in there a bit. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of us have at one stage or another in our life been in a place like that where we just felt like this strong desire to fit in and be normal or what seems to be normal just like everyone else. We don't want to be weird. Some people just get stuck there and find themselves spending an entire life just enslaved to the idea of normal and being uh, terrified of being found to be weird. And, and that's too bad, but we're going to address that because being weird just means standing out from the everyday, being different from the commonplace or the ordinary, not just being routine and just like everything else, but having something unique and different. And one of the things I hope that we understand is, like, if I just say, hey, you're weird, that would probably be unfortunate and that wouldn't feel good. But step back from that and say, you know, there is good weird and bad weird, right? And I think we recognize this. I asked, the, I asked some of the team, uh, to, could, could you give me some pictures and some images to help us understand the distinction between good weird and bad weird? And so let's see what they've got. Okay, that's good weird, right? Like, it's kind of a weird looking dog and a goofy, smiley pet kind of a grin, but it's a good weird, right? Compare that with this, which is probably a bad weird. Oh, yeah, and creepy weird. I, we may be in the wrong message on that one. Wow. Okay, so next up, good weird. Yes, maple bacon donut. Come on, who's with me on that one? Yes, maybe the best weird ever. Okay, now, the kale donut, not so much. That's a bad weird, totally different. Okay, one more. Good weird, people going crazy for their Seattle Seahawks and cheering them on, right? Yes. Bad weird, our opponents today, the San Francisco 49ers, feel free to boo and to hiss and to jeer because that's enough for them. There is good weird, and then there's bad weird, of course. And, and then there's like the God weird. That's weird in a God kind of way. And we want to talk quite a bit about that in this coming series. And the reason that we want to talk about being weird is because normal is not working out so well for so many people, right? 
Uh, when you look at what's out there and what normal looks like, it's a bit depressing. It's unfulfilling. What's, what's normal for people in terms of their schedule? A lot of people tell you, well, normal is I'm overworked. I'm panicked. I'm rushed. I'm, I'm stressed. There's never enough time for what I know is important to do because I'm under the tyranny of this thing that's urgent to do right in front of me, and that just becomes normal. What's normal in our world for where people's money is concerned? What's normal is, you know, the pursuit of materialistic things that will never make us happy. What's normal is going into debt. What's normal is being broke and being stressed and being worried in financial fear. What's normal is about fighting over money. What's normal is about hoarding and stockpiling money to insulate me against whatever might happen next instead of being generous with it and learning to give it away as a blessing. What's normal in the workplace? For so many, normal in the workplace is just about doing the job and getting it done because I need the paycheck. What's normal is about is feeling like I know there's something else that has to be out there. I know I'm created for something more significant than what I'm doing. I just can't seem to get there. I can't seem to figure out what it is and how to arrive there. When we look around at marriage, what's normal there? A lot of times what's normal leading up to marriage is a, uh, is a series of people hopping from bed to bed to bed, with, from partner to partner to partner before they're married. And then once they're married, if it doesn't work out to their satisfaction, pulling the plug and calling it quits because it just wasn't what I anticipated. And that's normal for too many marriages that are out there today. When we're honest and we look at what's out there, we have to say, hey, that normal is not working out so well. And I would love to be able to say that that's just what happens with the normal kind of out there in the world outside the four walls of the church and that here inside a church, we've somehow got it mastered. But you know what? That's not true. That's not the way things are. There's a version of normal Christianity, that same old thing, same old place Christianity that is as disappointing and unfulfilling in its world as anything else that the world has to offer. And this kind of normal Christianity that, I, that I'm hoping and praying we get a, a vision and an inspiration to live beyond, there's this normal Christianity that's really a faith that says, hey, I have faith for Jesus to save my soul and make sure that I get to heaven one day but between now and then, I'm going to live any way I like. There's, there's a normal approach, normal approach that picks and chooses which teachings of Jesus I'm going, to, I'm going to agree with and uphold and which teachings of Jesus are difficult and uh, inconvenient and which I choose to just lay aside. There, there's a version of Christianity which is about, hey, every now and again, I'll check in with God when I'm at church on a Sunday so long as it doesn't interfere with my schedule or the Seahawks game. But, but throughout the week, it makes absolutely no impact whatsoever. There's a, there's a version of normal Christianity that focuses so much on the individual and how God is blessing me and how God is changing me, how God is helping me to be the best me that I can be, to learn more about the Bible. And those, none of those things are particularly horrible. But there's a version of Christianity that just stops there and never transcends self-improvement and gets to the place of loving other people and caring for them and moving forward the blessings God has given us to make sure that others encounter that, those blessings as well, specifically those who are, who are in need of them the most, those who are on the margins of our society, those who are in need, those who are poor, those who are sick, those who are imprisoned. These, this version of Christianity, though it may be normal, is impoverished and falls so far short of what God intends for us. 
So whether we're talking about people outside the church who do not profess any faith in Jesus at all, or whether we're talking about people who do profess faith, I think we, we, we can recognize that what most people do is to simply go ahead and do what normal people do, to live the life that normal people live and end up stuck where normal people are in a life that's not as fulfilling as it should be, that's not inspiring, that's not full of vibrancy, that's disappointing and ineffective. Normal inside the church is not working in the same way that normal outside the church is not working either. But can you imagine with me for just a moment, what if it didn't need to be that way? What if we could live life beyond normal? What if there was a vision that blew normal away? That would be weird, right? And it wouldn't be weird in a bad way. And it wouldn't just be weird in a good way. It would be weird in a God way. That's the life we're talking about. And in this regard, it's Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. They're very telling. They're very appropriate. And they're, they, need to, they need to be heard this morning. Jesus said this. He said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So you understand the, the, the wide road, the broad road that so many are on. That's the road of normal. And it's misleading because when we travel on the normal road with everyone else living life the way that they do, doing the things that they do, it feels like we belong. It feels like we fit. And everyone else is joining me along the way. This must be right. But honestly, based on this passage, if you find yourself in the majority on an easy, broad road, you have reason to be concerned. Because God calls us to not simply follow the broad, normal road, but to step off that road to the narrow road, the road which actually leads to life, it says, through the narrow gate. But you have to understand that when you leave the normal road to get to the small one where life is, where the few are, that those who are on the broad road, the normal, will think that you're weird. They'll think that you're different. But when we're weird in a God way, that doesn't matter. And one of the things I want to do this morning and throughout our whole series here is invite you to follow the teachings of Jesus and to live a life that is weird, that is weird. And so towards that end, here's the theme of the series for these upcoming weeks. It's this, that if you want what normal people have, just keep doing what the normal people do. But if you want what few people have, you're going to have to do what only a few people do. And that's a little bit weird. It is a little bit weird. And so to live a life beyond normal, you're going to have to leave, leave and depart the broad road. You're going to have to get onto the narrow path, and you'll stand out because of it. And in order to attain what everybody seems to want, but no one can seem to acquire, and I'm talking about things like the peace that passes comprehension and carries us through even in the most difficult of times. I'm talking about the kind of joy that's not dependent on our circumstances, but which celebrates at the best of times and continues to celebrate even in the darkest of times because of God's presence with us. I'm talking about that life that has a sense of security and belonging and purpose, fulfillment and destiny, these things which so many seek and which so few find. If you want these things, 
you're going to have to be willing to get a little bit weird and weird in a God way. And maybe you're in a place this morning where you go, well, that sounds great. I think I'm up for that journey. I think I'm willing to give that a shot, but I'm not quite sure how to get there. I want to share in this introductory message just a few ideas about what it's going to take. How do we get to that place of being weird? As I'm looking around, some of you are way ahead of the rest of us, and you know who you are. You're already well ahead. We'll be talking to you later for tips. But for now, how do the rest of us get weird? The first thing we're going to have to do is this. We're going to have to embrace the weird teachings of Jesus. See, Jesus teaches a way of life that's different. It's absolutely weird compared to a lot of the normal ideas that are out there. And here are a few examples. Jesus said, hey, you've heard that it's, it was said that you shall not commit adultery. That in and of itself is not so weird. A lot of teachers were teaching that. But Jesus goes on to say beyond that, that, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. That is, that God's plan for our character development and our character formation extends beyond just our conduct and our behavior, and it extends all the way to the deepest parts of our hearts and our minds where we live, and he wants to change us there. That's weird. In Luke, Jesus says, hey, indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and, those, and there are those who are first who will be last. See, that's weird. We tend to think, hey, if you want to get to the front of the line, if you want to be ahead, if you want to be first, you've got to force your way. You've got to make your way and charge to the front, taking no prisoners. And Jesus said, no, it's not like that. If, if, if your goal is to be first, you better learn how to serve. And you better learn how to serve others well and place yourself last so that others can be first. And then you'll see what it is. In Luke 6, Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's weird, right? Because standard wisdom says, hey, if you want to have a lot, keep a lot. And Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. This is a little weird, but the more that you're one who is able to give, to give to bless others, to give to support the work of the kingdom, to give to organizations that are doing great work in our community, to give just the blessing of your presence to those who are in need, the more that we give, Jesus says, the more that we will receive. And that's unique, and that's weird. And we could go on all day with the weird teachings of Jesus, right? If somebody uh, hurts you, you're to bless them. If somebody harms you, you're to love them and to pray for them, right? If someone punches you in the face, you're supposed to turn the other cheek and let them, and let them hit you there as well. If somebody wrongs you, we're to forgive them, not just once, but countless times. And the list goes on and on. What Jesus taught about how we should live is kind of weird. But these are the teachings that lead us off the path of the normal and the broad way which leads to destruction. These are the teachings that lead us onto a narrow, different, weird in a God way kind of path. So if you want normal, if you're satisfied with normal, then feel free to just ignore these teachings. But if you want what few people have, you're going to have to do what very few people do. And you have to take Jesus' teachings seriously and live them out and get weird. By the way, the only way that we can embrace the teachings of Jesus is to actually know them in the first place, right? And so I just want to offer my personal encouragement to us as a church this year. This can be a year in which we pay special attention to what Jesus actually said as recorded in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in our Bibles. 
If what you know about the teachings of Jesus is what other people have told you, I want to encourage you, make this the year that you look at those things and study those things on your own so that you know, so that you can then embrace them and become as weird as all the rest of us. All right, we're gonna, we have to embrace the weird teachings of Jesus. And then this, we need to learn to think in a new and a weird way. Uh, when Paul was writing to the Romans, he said this. He said, don't conform to the pattern of this world. There's a pattern to the way this world operates. Don't be conformed to that, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let God renew your mind and teach you to think differently. See, God wants to break us out of our old, stale, normal ways of thinking, and he gives us a whole brand new, fresh, weird way of thinking and knowing and of being. And we need to be willing to step into that we need to be willing to step away and to let go of those destructive patterns of thinking. We need to be willing to let go of the trains of thought that get us into dark and troubling places. We need to be willing to let go of our individualized, private sense of how we think things ought to be and to embrace instead this sense of how God tells us he would like for things to be. This same passage in the, uh, in the message version says it really well in a way that captures the heart when it says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Isn't that the way it happens? Normal is all around us and we just feel like we belong and before we know it, we're embracing the culture rather than embracing the new way of thinking that God gives us. See, weird people, they don't think like other people think. Weird people think differently about their time and how they manage it. Weird people think differently about their money, how they'll earn it, how they'll spend it, how they'll save it, how they'll direct it and invest it and bless others with it. They think differently about relationships and dating and marriage and family. They think differently about sex and sexuality. They think differently about values and work hard to cultivate the values of God's kingdom. And over the course of our weeks in this series, we're going to talk about all of those and more. Because the way that we think determines the way that we behave, and what we think also determines then what it is that we become. And so it's time for us to get a little bit weird. And the difficulty is that when we do that, when we step into some of those weird and unusual ways of behaving that Jesus calls us to in his teachings, it feels awkward, right? It feels like we're different. It feels like we don't belong. Peter addressed this when he was writing, and he said this, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and as exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. See, to the, Peter's writing to these believers and he says, this place that you live, this world, this culture, this normal that surrounds you, that's not your home. You're a foreigner to that. You're an exile there. It's going to feel awkward. It's going to feel different. It's going to feel weird. If you are absolutely 100% comfortable in the normal culture that surrounds us, you should ask yourself some questions. But if you, the way that you follow Jesus and pursue God's call and plan for your life, if that leaves you feeling a little awkward and like you don't quite fit in with the world, you're probably doing a great job. That's how it's supposed to feel because we are foreigners and we are exiles. We need to embrace those weird teachings of Jesus. We need to learn how to think in a new weird way and then we're gonna have to learn to surround ourselves 
with other weird people, right? Because when you're weird and you're alone, it's very intimidating. But when you're weird and you're with others who are weird, it's very empowering. Remember middle school Scott who just wanted never to be noticed and never to do anything weird and get any attention, right? That, that guy grew up and he went off to college and he ended up in a dorm with a bunch of crazy people. And they did weird things and had a ball. And what I discovered about myself is the kinds of things that would terrify me to do by myself became really fun when I was doing them with others. Things like one night we're watching The Letterman Show on TV and a local commercial comes on for a, a furniture store that was doing a 48-hour sale, open all night. Some guy had the brilliant idea, hey, we should all get like in our flannel jammy pants and our bathrobes and just go like sleep at the furniture store because they're open. <laughs> a bunch of college guys were like, yeah! So we did, you know, it's three degrees out, we bundled up, went down to the store and it was a ball. They invited us in, they fed us sandwiches, which we ate at really nice like dinette tables and stuff from the showroom, it was really cool. Very fun. That was the kind of weird thing that would have been a little creepy had I tried it on my own, but was a great life memory because there were other weird people with me, right? That's how that works. Let me ask you, who are the weird people in your life? The people who encourage you to keep following Jesus even when it's difficult. The people who challenge you to live a life that's better than normal. The people that inspire you by their example to go ahead and keep doing some of those crazy weird things that God has put on your heart to do. If, if those people are in your life, then you already know how valuable they are. And if you have none of those people in your life, can I suggest that you absolutely have to have, to have them. You can, you can join one of our rooted groups and take a journey with a group of people and they will become your fellow weird people. You can be part of a life group that meets on a weekly basis and those will become your weird people who are your encouragement. You can come join us on Monday nights for our, our studies and classes on Monday nights. There are people there who will become your weird people, but you need them. And, and a part of that too is what we get when we're here regularly on a Sunday morning together, worshiping and hearing from God's word. This is where we're weird together and we cultivate the weirdness. And we do it together. Because when we do it, we're stronger than when we do it alone. And so to start off the new year, I want to celebrate that, uh, that particular reality in a really clear way. We're going to receive together in just a moment communion. Which, by the way, in its own right, is kind of weird. A cracker, a little thimble full of juice, and something profound happening spiritually. It's a little bit weird until we realize that this is what Jesus instituted. That this is part of Jesus' promise that he said, if you will remember the sacrifice I'm about to make, and that as often as you do this, and you take this cup, and you take this bread, and you, and you take it together with one another, I will be with you in a powerful way. I will be present with you. He is the bread of life. And he's with us when we receive those elements. And this weird little thing about a tiny cracker and a thing of juice becomes this profound reality if we're weird enough to have the faith and to believe it. And importantly, as we do that together. So the band's gonna come up, they're gonna lead us in a song, and while that song's being played, we're gonna pass the elements in the trays. Would you take the elements when, it, when they come by? Hold on to them. We're gonna take them together. We're going to be weird together. And there's strength in that unified weirdness.
And we're going to be just weird enough to believe that as we do that, God's going to empower us in some deep ways. So let's go ahead and prepare our hearts for the time of worship. Ushers, you can come on forward and distribute those elements. Fill the atmosphere 
we hold these elements in our hands and, and they are precious to us. Yes, they are symbolic reminders of the depth of your love which gave yourself on our behalf. But beyond that, God, we are united in our weird belief based on your words to us that these elements convey to us the very presence of God into our lives. So God, we receive these elements gratefully. We ask, God, that you would make your presence known among us even as we celebrate your presence in these elements together now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive these elements together. And in the week and in the year to come, may I say, that God's presence is not something that simply happens once a month at communion or even over a period of time while we sing and worship, but it's something which uh, penetrates every corner of our life, every moment of the day. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to live that out in some mighty and some powerful ways. Before we go, I do need to highlight a couple of things. We're going to continue to be weird, but we're going back to the regular service times next week for 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, so I want you to know that. Uh, If you want to be part of the First Connect, Pastor Mike's going to be with you right underneath that monitor over there to say hello for a few moments. Other than that, God bless you. Have a great New Year celebration.